Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut. I went keto in 2016 to reverse my diabetes and lose weight. It's my mission to spread the science of keto and to show the world how cooking is necessary for keto success. Oh, yeah, and ribeye. <laughs> <laughs> you stole that from me. I did. And I'm Carrie Brown, and I also live in Connecticut, just a different part to Carl. I'm a trained pastry chef who went keto to control and eventually eliminate all my symptoms from bipolar 2 disorder and depression. I take no medications, I have no symptoms, and it's my mission to show the world that keto food is not only delicious, but it can be better than any other kind of food. And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in ketosis. And also our experiences reversing diabetes and depression and feeling better than we ever have before. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. We don't give medical advice because we're not doctors. Right. We just want to share our experiences and review the research that supports it. Oh, and ribeye. And ribeye. Cover it in bacon. <laughs> we share our recipes and any science we find in the show notes. This is a science-based show. Carl brings the body science and I bring the food science. So let's start podcast number 157, Emotional Eating with Renee Jones. Carl, do we have any apologies or corrections from last week's show? Well, that was uh, 156, Keto for Mental Health with Dr. Georgia Ede. No, uh, Georgia was awesome. She's an inspiration and uh, can't wait to see her at Keto Fest. I cannot wait to meet her in person and I'm, I'm super glad to see her at Keto Fest, but I'm also super glad that we're going to see her in a couple of weeks in Denver too. Yeah. Now, before we start, let's explain in plain English what a ketogenic diet is. Right. That's any diet that puts you into a state of ketosis where you're burning fat for energy rather than glucose. And the way we did it was to limit our carbohydrates to 20 grams or less every day, enjoy a moderate amount of protein, one to one and a half grams per kilogram of lean body mass, and all our energy comes from, you guessed it, fat. Fat? Really? Fat. Yep. If you're just starting, listen to our Starting Keto show at start.2keto.com. So, Carrie, what's new? What's new and good? Well, there was one big thing that happened this week, and I've been uh, telling you all that I've been working on this thing with the lovely Kim Howerton for yeah. several weeks now. And actually, we've been working on it for months. We've been working on this since September. So it's been a long time coming. But the big thing that happened for, in my little world this week, well, there was two things. But the one big thing was that Kim and I launched our new eight-week program, Happy Healthy Keto. So for anyone who's new or anyone who is in the middle of a stall or someone who just needs to get back on the wagon because maybe they fell off or with anyone who's struggling or any of those things. It's an eight-week program that will, it will give you support. It will give you community. It will give you all the keto science in a program form. It'll give you recipes, meal plans, shopping lists, all the things. Wow. And it will also give you a uh, live we're going to be doing live calls with all the participants so that they can get any of their questions answered. Wow. And we'll also, of course, have a uh, private exclusive Facebook group for 
participants so that they always have somewhere to go where they can get support and their questions answered throughout the eight-week period. So that's Happy Healthy Keto, and we launched it this week. Uh, if you're listening to this on Monday, you the enrollment window is only a week. So we launched it last Thursday, and enrollment closes on Wednesday this week, the 27th of February at midnight. Okay. And then on the February the 28th, we will send out all the program materials and so that you can be ready to start on Monday, March 4th. And is there an easy-to-remember URL we can give people to go to? There is. It's myhappyhealthyketo.com. Excellent. And the other big thing that happened was pasta. Yes, pasta. That's uh, caused quite a kerfuffle on the internet. I posted pictures of my pasta, and uh, I did not post the recipe. I did not say I was going to post the recipe. I said that when, if and when the recipe becomes perfected and available, or there's a cookbook or a Kickstarter or product or something, sign up here at pasta.2keto.com, and I'll let you know as soon as I know something. So now we have a lot of impatient people. So I, I had a last-minute invitation to join the pasta party at Carl's house. It wasn't really a party, but uh, Carl gathered a small group of lovely people, and we we all sat around and ate Carl's pasta and bolognese sauce and um, had a very fun time. We did have a fun time. You were my guinea pigs, my first <laughs> test group. And a lot of people who there was a little video clip that the lovely Karen Jones shot of mm. uh, of us all eating the pasta. But a lot of people were fascinated by the Christmas tree that was still up yeah. in the corner of <laughs> your know. living room. I'm such a slacker. It's kind of <laughs> nice looking, you know. It's I like those kind of lights. Makes me happy. Well, anyway, <laughs> the I I gave some last night to my stepdaughter who is a self admitted, absolute fussy, picky eater, especially when it comes to texture. And she said, this is f***ing awesome. Oh, can you say that on air? Well, I bleeped it. She couldn't stop eating it. Well, we'll we shall see how the pasta story develops. And we're not entirely sure which way it's going to develop yet. Right. But if you sign up at pasta.2keto.com, you will know the second um, we decide what's happening. Well, we have big news together, of course. The Kickstarter for Keto Fest is going live this week. In fact, if you're listening to this on Monday, then the Kickstarter is launching tomorrow. That's Tuesday, February the 26th. And if you're listening to this after Tuesday, then we've launched and you just need to click on the link in the show notes to take yourselves to the Kickstarter. Actually, you just go to ketofest.com and that'll take you right to the Kickstarter. Yep. All the things. All the things. And uh, as far as me, my personal journey goes, I had a major breakthrough this week. I don't know if you remember this, but it was... Last year sometime, I had uh, said on the forum that I'd started losing weight again in a predictable way. And I did that by eating nothing but pork belly. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy, I know. But I ate basically- life, life is so hard. I know, it's terrible. I basically ate pork belly for like three days in a row, and I ate just around three o'clock in the afternoon, and I found that weight came off. And 
my MO has been since I've lost my 80 pounds that, that I, I eat lazy keto, you know, cause I'm a hedonist and it is strict keto. I mean, I do not eat carbs. Right. And then, uh, you know, I slowly gain weight and then I fast for a couple of days and it comes off. And then I do lazy keto for a few weeks and gain a few pounds and then I fast and it comes off and it's just frustrating, you know? So I thinking back to that, well, okay, is it the carnivore thing? Well, maybe, maybe it's the vegetables, but I began to get a sneaking suspicion that dairy in particular, cheese and heavy cream was causing a problem with me. And since I got my continuous glucose monitor, the Freestyle Libre, I have been noticing higher blood sugars during the day and co- the coffee was the first thing to go. So I got rid of coffee and I started drinking decaf. And that made it a little better, but I still had higher uh, you know, blood sugar than I wanted. And so in a fit of desperation, I just cut out cheese. I mean, having cheese at night is like a, a thing that I've done all my life, right? So I, I cut it out and lo and behold, you know, weight started dropping off and the next day, another pound and the next day, another pound. And I was eating, you know, uh, in a, like a four or five hour window. So I've been doing intermittent fasting this whole time, but it turns out, damn it, cheese and heavy cream. Oh, I love cheese. I also love cheese and but I, I, I don't want to commiserate with you because I don't want folks to think that, you know, life is over if you can't have cheese. Because sure. while you may love it, it's there's lots of other glorious things that you can eat on keto and not have cheese. So I don't want to commiserate too yeah, loudly right. for, for, you know, for all the other people that can't find they can't do dairy. Um it's okay. So I just substituted that with uh, Julie Fox McClure's liver mousse pate, which she served a couple of times at Keto Mini Fest at my house. And I just adore this stuff. And we're going to try to have her on next week as our guest, and, and she will give you the recipe. But I noticed my blood sugar was, you know, is completely under control when I cut out dairy. And I, I, my, my wife, keeps telling me it's drink oh you're drinking wine that that'll do it right nope i can still drink wine just no dairy it's amazing ketones up blood glucose absolutely stable back in the saddle baby (laughs) well congratulations that's awesome yeah i'm very proud of you thank you i love science is that just cheese or you've cut out the heavy cream, butter? What about butter? Oh, I have plenty of butter. So you're still eating butter. So, because I do find that a lot of people that are not dairy free because they have to be, i.e., it's not a casein issue. But for those people who go dairy free, most people don't actually have an issue with butter because it's almost pure fat. The, yeah. the casein has, has all been removed. Right. If I had so, to finger any any particular element of dairy, it would be the, the casein, the, the dairy protein. Right. Yeah. So, but my point was a lot of people do actually find that, that if they can't have the, the dairies like cheese and and cream they can still have butter so don't 
automatically think that if you're dairy-free, you can't have butter because a lot of people find that they can do butter even when they can't do everything else. Well, Julie's liver pate is 50% butter, so that's not a problem. <laughs> it, it's also entirely delicious. Uh, I could eat that thing till the cows come home. Yeah. So I'm super excited for the episode be it next week or a different week where we get to to talk to Julie because yep. one, she's wonderful. Two, she has a fantastic product. And three, she makes outrageously good liver pate. Yes, she does. So pate is the new cheese at the Franklin House. Um, well, let's give away a Two Keto Dudes coffee mug to one lucky member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club. And Carrie, the new mugs, of course, have your mug on them, not Richard's. So anyone who has an old mug has a collector's item. Woohoo! Woo! So who's the winner this week, Carl? Today's winner is Gregory Clements. Congratulations, Gregory. Hey, A mug will be winging its way to you shortly. Right. And if you want a mug of your own and you don't want to wait to win it, you can get one online at gear.2keto.com. Well, Carrie, is today the day? Today's the day. Today's the day? But not for that. No? Oh, no. Not for mail. You're not going to give me a mail? Nope. No, it, it's time for a letter, though. I gotta say it. Mail! You know, I have, <laughs> I have lovely listeners pinging me now about the, when's it going to be, Carrie? When's it going to be? They're going to take bets. <laughs> Maybe there'll be maybe there'll be a prize or a giveaway on the day <laughs> I relent. There'll be a pool. That's- there's, there's a pool going around, I know. All right, so this is from the Ketogenic Forums, and it's by a guy who calls himself Stupid Robots. And uh, you you really like his posts. I really like his posts. Maybe we can have him on the show sometime. But anyway, this post is, What I've learned after five years, 80 pounds of fat loss and 20 pounds of muscle gain. And it's in the newbies and tips from the oldies category. He says, Hi, I'm Stupid Robots, and I started my ketogenic journey sometime in early 2012. I began with a low-carb approach in general sort of afraid of fats and basically under the assumption that yes, low carb will make you lose weight, but it's not for long-term use because it'll clog your arteries. This guy is reading my mind. This is exactly what happened to me. I eventually read the science and I'm keto most of the time except for special occasions. I've gone from a 42-inch waist to a 32 and a peak weight of 230 pounds to 170. Well done. Here's what I've learned after years of living in ketosis as well as shifting back and forth between ketosis and a standard diet. Number one, if at all possible, rid your home of carby treats. Don't keep them around in case company arrives. Don't keep them around for later or because you don't want to waste food or whatever. You are overweight because you do not tolerate carbs well in the same way that an alcoholic does not tolerate alcohol well. They are a temptation and a hindrance that will keep you from your goals. Rest assured, you will feel sad and feel like you need a treat, feel angry and want something to calm your nerves, or feel happy and want something to celebrate. If you're a carb addict, as I suspect most of us are, you will eat the junk food and then you'll feel bad. And you'll feel like you've set yourself back or this day is in the toilet now for the diet, so might as well just have carbs all weekend and then all week, or maybe we just start up again at the beginning of the month. Don't do it. It's a trap. If you have a lot of garbage in your cabinets, donate it to a food shelter, bring it to work and let them enjoy it or throw it all in the bin. Out of sight, out of mind. Number two, 
The first week is the hardest. Make it through that first week and it's all downhill from there. Your body burns through all of its sugar and glycogen, then is suddenly starved for fuel. Carb dreams will probably happen. Oh yeah, I had some of those. Have you? I I haven't, no. Somehow I escaped like all the bad parts of starting a ketogenic diet just didn't happen to me. I mean, I've had my other struggles, but that luckily wasn't one of them. Yeah. I remember Emmy telling me she had dreams that she was eating like a big sandwich or something and felt woke up feeling guilty, but no, I didn't eat it. So he says, you will feel tired. You may get a headache. Some people report flu-like symptoms. Treat this in the same way as you might treat a hangover. Drink lots of fluids, get electrolytes, primarily sodium, and take it easy. Generally, I don't recommend people exercise during the first two to four weeks on a ketogenic diet because that can be a tremendous stress on the system. I totally agree. One step at a time. Detoxing from any poison is painful. Ask an alcoholic, smoker, or drug user how hard it is to come off their intoxicant. Yours is sugar, and it might seem easier to just lean on your addiction as a crutch and say it's not that bad. It is that bad, and it's killing you. Getting past the adaptation phase is absolutely worth it. Number three, if you aren't measuring, then you aren't putting in any effort to make this work. If you aren't tracking your food, then you aren't putting in the effort either. It's easy to have a few spoonfuls of peanut butter or handfuls of almonds before you realize that that's 40 carbs right there, plus a thousand calories or more. Measure and track until eating this way is second nature. And let me tell you something, that is a glorious day when you can just navigate by memory uh, instead of having to measure everything, because I hate measuring. I, I do too. It actually, when I, I, so I tracked for the first three months and it, I found that it made eating like this horrible thing in my mind. I was right. just like, oh, another meal. Oh, I got to track. Oh, I got it. It really made the whole thing unpleasant for me. So I was really glad when I got my head around it enough to not have to do that. All right, number four, if this is really truly difficult or painful, you're doing it wrong. Keto done right should feel like the burden of food cravings has been lifted from your shoulders. Start by hitting your protein and eating fat until you're not hungry anymore, measuring, of course, to see what that actually is for you. If you're hungry, you need to eat more fat. Your body will come online and help you burn your own fat stores naturally. But if your body has been storing fat for 30 years and never burnt it, it may take a while for everything to regulate itself. Number five, avoid replacing traditional junk food with keto junk food. The extreme majority of your food intake should be real whole foods, meats, eggs, oils, and above-ground leafy green vegetables. Get fancy and throw on an avocado if you want. A cake doesn't magically become a health food because you made it with almond flour and stevia. One goal of keto, I feel, is to reestablish a relationship with food that's closer to the way things were once upon a time. Treats were just that, treats. You got them once in a while. Maybe a keto cookie or something with tea on Sunday. Maybe some keto fudge with a cup of coffee. Don't make them the backbone of your diet. That keeps you a slave to your sweet tooth. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. I the, the treats should still be treats, whatever they are yep. made of. And um, don't make them the backbone of your diet. Agree. Okay, and finally, number six, there's no such thing as a stall. Okay, the scale might not be moving, but other things are happening. It's my experience that the body doesn't like to do more than one thing at a time unless it absolutely has to. It's losing fat on your waistline. 
it's gaining muscle in your legs, it's fixing your organ damage, it's regulating your hormones. Take measurements, take photographs, and weigh yourself last. Again, this is just one man's experience, but I hope you find it helpful. Good luck to all you out there. Yay, stupid robots. That was awesome. Yeah, 178 comments on that. All positive. So maybe we'll get him on the show one of these days. I think that would be great. Our guest this week is Renee Jones. Renee has a master's degree in marriage and family counseling and a clinical residency in pastoral care. She utilizes traditional and contemporary models, as well as relaxation and horse-assisted methods to help others win at losing extra weight and other baggage they've dragged around with them for decades. In short, a miracle worker. Hello, Renee Jones. Hello, Carl. Hi, Carrie. Hey, Renee. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And you? I am doing great. And um, I'm thrilled to have you uh, talking on air with us. I, You and I met when uh, you kindly invited me to your home to uh, have a bed for the night and a delicious meal when I was road tripping down in Austin last summer. And I know some people think I'm crazy because I'll go to random strangers' houses and and stay with them. No, Carrie, we know you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) so um but renee renee had been following me and and we'd we'd kind of chatted via social media a few times so i felt confident that renee i was not going to end up in bits in renee's freezer so (laughs) i very gratefully accepted her invitation to stay overnight and i have to tell you she's a fantastic host she i turned up late because a meeting ran over i she cooked me a delicious meal we talked for hours And then she put me to bed and and I got up at five o'clock to go on my merry way and she'd made me a little little care package for the trip. And so Renee is also a wonderful host as well as being a miracle worker. And now, Renee, (laughs) you may start a B&B because you're going to have – everybody's going to want to come stay with you now. Oh, lovely. Yeah. So uh, I'm really interested in the topic of emotional eating, and um, Carrie asked me if we had ever covered that on Two Keto Dudes, and not as a whole show topic. I mean, it sometimes comes up in conversation that, you know, some some people have uh, this issue and struggle with this, and I think we all do to a certain extent just because of the way food has been so pervasive in everyone's life, you know. So uh, it, it really is an interesting topic to me, and I'm just curious. It, it seems like just one of the topics that you're interested in among all of these other things. But uh, we'll, we, I'm just going to hand it over to you. Ah, well, it was it was quite interesting to me because I struggled with it massively. Carl, I started my first diet when I was ten. Yeah, me too. And I I I was on the diet yo yo for forty years. Yep. Speaking my language. It it's so easy. I mean, we're kind of taught that food will make you feel better. Right. And from your grandmother to bosses and everything. I mean, even even children, when they have a game, they take them for pizza afterwards mm-hmm. or ice cream or whatever. We just use food as comfort and it really sets us up poorly because I know that a lot of my clients, um, they, they can take the appetite suppressants and all the rest of it, but when they get upset, they crash land in front of the refrigerator. 
And let's face it, food is comforting, right? It, it, it still is to me, and I've been keto for a couple of years, and I still just love to eat. I do too. I absolutely love to eat. Although of the three of us, I've, I've never really struggled with my weight. So I, I can't talk from that end of it, but I do know that I love food. And I, I don't know that I'm a victim of emotional eating. I, I don't know. For me, it's hard to discern whether I eat things purely because I enjoy them or whether there is some level of I'm feeling, you know, emotionally down or I'm upset about something and that's why I'm eating. Um, but again, I, I've never, I've never had obesity along with that sensation. So it, you know, that I'm not an expert in that part of it. And I know it's really hard to discern for me, but I have been able to figure out, I mean, uh, the, the easiest way to, to tell if you're eating for emotional reasons is, are you full and you just can't stop stuffing your face? Mm. Right? Mm. I mean, that's a yeah. pretty good sign. Well, and the problem is that from birth, if you, when a baby cries, they put a bottle in its mouth or the uh, pacifier or the breast. We, we just from birth are taught that this is how we soothe ourselves. But yeah, I mean, I, I even teach a, um, an acronym to my, my clients. And it's, it's not that it's hard to get past emotional eating. We just are unfamiliar with how to do it. So mm. I use, um, the acronym hang because we've just got to get the hang of it. Mm. And the H is for hungry. Am I hungry? And if you are, you probably do need to eat. But if you're not, then go to the A. What is your attraction to food? And the N is, what do I actually need? I mean, it may be you need a walk around the block. It may need be that you need a hug. It may need mean that you need five minutes with your dog or cats, you know? But what is it that you actually need other than food? Hmm. And then the G is, go, go get that it will soothe you more than any food ever could. Hmm. That's that's fascinating. I I remember, and if I remember correctly, I'm sure it was Oprah. I remember her saying a bunch of years ago on a show, if you're hungry or if you if you're wanting to eat something specific, then that's a craving or that's emotional. If you just need to eat if you're just hungry then it won't be specific to i've got to eat chocolate or i've got to eat any you know what i mean she's she in in her mind if it was i'm hungry for one particular thing then that wasn't real hunger that was being driven by something else what what do you think about that i think that's quite possible because we often associate things with memories that we have or specific incidents. So um, I think half of the, f the foods that we do every year on holidays are just memories encased in pastry or chocolate. And But yeah, if, if it's something specific, it likely is just a craving. If, because if you're hungry, you don't care. You'll eat wallpaper paste. Right. And that's the test is that I could eat this or I could eat that. This would be okay, but so would that be and maybe the other thing too. And if if you can, you know, convince yourself that you'd be satisfied with a couple of different things, then you're probably eating for hunger. 
So is that, I mean, is that something that you've experienced, Carl? Would you say that that rings true for you? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in fact, um, I just, you know, we were talking about um, getting rid of cheese and that, in, in my case, that sort of really curbed my hunger. And uh, I, I think I was emotionally eating when I ate cheese, right? I think that was, that was definitely true. This morning, I was hungry for the first time in the morning in a long, long time. And uh, a little liver pate just did the trick for me. <laughs> and that that was definitely a hunger. That was not a craving and that was not a, um, a gee, I should eat and definitely not emotional. Yeah, sometimes it is hunger. That's all there is to it. So you, you don't think people can get uh, cravings for liver, Carl? Oh, yeah, maybe they can. But the <laughs> fact is, is that I also had some steak in the fridge. So I had a bite of that and, you know, had some egg. Like it, it wasn't it wasn't particular to the liver. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just, you know, because the, the number of people that, that couldn't ima- possibly imagine anyone craving liver. Yeah, well, you had Julie's liver pate. That you, you'll think differently about that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crave-worthy, that stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you, you obviously do marriage counseling and, and sort of uh, helping people with anxiety. I know horse therapy is a, a really, really good thing for people dealing with anxiety. So you've always just been uh, interested in helping people become their best selves. Is that how the emotional uh, eating idea sort of came to you in the context of just wellness? Well, I think while I was trying to figure out my own stuff, I realized, okay, so if I didn't eat for emotional reasons, that would save a lot of calories for me. So I I went on a kind of a quest to figure out, okay, so what's driving me to eat? And I I actually hired uh, someone to help me because I knew I could kind of dance around my issues. Mm. But if I I help my heart to heal, then I wouldn't have the push. Because what Part of the emotional eating thing is we have to figure out what's driving that need for food. What is it that we're looking for? Because it's usually not actually chocolate or whatever else. It's usually some memory associated with that. In fact, I I tell a story um, about peanut butter for me because that became very closely associated with my mother and my grandmother for me. So when my mother passed away, you know, I just crawled into the peanut butter jar because it felt close. uh, I felt close to her with that. Hmm. And when my grandmother passed away a few years later, I thought, okay, that that last time I gained a lot of weight doing that. I don't want to do that. I need to figure this out. So the thing is, both my mother and my grandmother loved peanut butter. And when I ate peanut butter, I felt close to them. Interesting. And I felt the the love and um, joy that my grandmother would shower on me. And I thought, okay, that it can't just be me. Sometimes it is, but it can't just be me. And maybe there are others who also have food associations that are driving their need for certain foods. You know, it's funny. When I eat ribeye covered in butter, yeah. I, I have a, a closer connection to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I love myself when I eat ribeye. <laughs> so, Renee, 
well, I have to tell everybody that Renee is tiny. So, but it sounds like Renee was not always tiny. And of course, Renee and I met because Renee was was following the work that I do in the keto space. So just mm. tell us, how did you go from not tiny to tiny, especially if you had this issue with emotional eating? Mm. Well, I've what I have <laughs> begun to say is I faced my stuff so I didn't have to stuff my face. Ah, very good. And... What I did was I worked on it. I, I chose a, a diet that had worked for me in the past, which was basically low fat, low calorie, no flavor. Mm. And I stuck it out and lost my weight. Um, and then it became hard to maintain it. Cause see, I didn't want to hit my 50th birthday still weighing what I weighed. So that was sort of my goal post. Mm. And I actually hit my goal weight the week before my 50th birthday. And that was in 2012. And then in 2014, I found keto and I started playing with it, but really didn't get um, committed to it until April of 2015. So I'm coming up on my ketoversary. So there's two years in between. Were you regaining weight? No, I was, I was maintaining, but wow, it was hard because yeah. I was tired and hungry yeah. and cranky all the time. My poor husband, God love him. But, you know, I just kept starving myself. So that was grit and determination that, that kept the weight off. Yes. But I thought that, that just can't be the, that can't be the all there is to life. And we know what happens is when you calorie restrict like that, you, uh, your metabolism slows down. And so at a certain point, you reach this sort of equilibrium and, and the body can't take it anymore. And uh, then that's when, you know, people gain gain all the weight back. But in your case, you tried to adapt to a lower metabolism and you probably were tired. And uh, as you said, you were tired and, and headachy and all that kind of mm -hmm. cranky stuff. Yeah. Definitely. Body doesn't definitely. like it. No. Body likes no, to burn energy. It likes plenty of fuel because if yeah. you don't have enough fuel, your body's just going to suffer. Yeah. So, so you found keto in 2014, you said, right? I, I did. I found it in 2014 just, and it was like, what is this? This seems really weird and I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And it just took me a while to figure it out. Mm -hmm. But because I would, I gained a little weight initially because, you know, Everyone says, oh, you, you can have all the butter and cheese and stuff you want, right? Just mm. eat bacon and butter and life will be good. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to find, I had to find the way that it would work for me. Yeah. We all do. Yeah. Yeah. Because everybody is so different. I mean, I, I love it when people suggest meal plans, but you still have to find what works for you. And you probably still have to deal with those triggers of emotional eating. Right. So when you start working with a new client on, because you, you are a, an emotional eating coach specifically. So yes. when somebody comes to you for help specifically with emotional eating, what does that look like? I mean, if there's people out there that are listening to this and know that they really do have a big problem with emotional eating, if they go and talk to any emotional eating coach, what, what does that kind of look like in terms of helping them through that? Well, we have to start with figuring out what has gone on for them. And we can pick 
everybody's got their own, you know, things going on in their head. So we talk about the beliefs they have. We talk about their family structure, who they were, what kind of of things went on in their family of origin. Um, because that informs us. We look at their meals that they're currently eating. I normally send them away for a three-day food fest where they can eat anything and everything they want for those three days as long as they enjoy it. Hey, there's one of those coming up in July. Yes! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but if they, if they will just eat and enjoy the food... Um, you know, most of them have been on some calorie restrictive thing for so long that it's just like, oh, food, it's great. But they can kind of cultivate that enjoyment of food again, rather than the, the fear of it. And so you think by giving somebody just a, a weekend to get it out of their system is actually a good place to start to heal an emotional eater? Actually, yes. Um, they... They usually come back and they said, I, I didn't, I have restricted myself for so long that it was hard to get into it. And then I found I couldn't eat as much as I thought I could. Hmm. And that's, that's the beginning of it. They're like, because they, they've been on this diet for so long, they, they fear if they ever start eating, they won't be able to stop. So part of emotional eating is, is not just you know, eating when, you know, to, to soothe yourself, but fear of eating. For many, yes. Not for everyone, but for many. And again, hmm. everyone is different, so everyone's um, response will be different. Um, and yes, they will gain a couple of pounds that week, but that's okay. So what's the next step, Renee? Well, we talk through the experience. And through that experience, I begin to take apart some of the beliefs that they have, take apart some of the fears that they have, we find, okay, so it's not just the peanut butter. What's driving that? What's the association there? And typically they know that, they just don't realize that they know it. And as we begin to dismantle some of the constructs around food, um, they recognize, oh, that's why I do that. Therefore, they don't have to do it anymore. Because as an adult, they can look at their life in the past and say, oh, I was just soothing that. Well, gee, I'm an adult. I can think about that differently. Hmm. So we do some of those limiting beliefs. Um, I have had one client this last week who was, uh, we're just getting started. And she said, well, I'm going to try to do this by this time. And I said, then you'll never do it. Because she didn't have the belief that she could. So we had to start with that belief of, can I actually do this? I've done this so many times and it never lasted. How is this going to be different? Do you ever talk to your clients about the food choices that they make? You know, what, what foods do what to you physiologically and or emotionally? Yeah, we, we definitely talk through, um, we start with goals. I suggest that low-carb toward keto could be useful, but at this juncture... You don't want to scare them off. What, what has worked for you in the past, right? And let's start there. Let's kind of slowly take your carbs down a little bit. Definitely get rid of sugar. Mm -hmm. And um, 
choose whole, real foods. And I think I think keto for a lot of people, the switch to keto can be really hard anyway. So taking it in baby steps, if you do have a real problem with emotional eating, trying to do it all at once could be basically just setting yourself up for failure. Indeed. And they have plenty of experience with failure and I don't want them to go through that. So we're advocating that the baby steps is fine. I think so. Progress, not perfection. Mm. Yeah, because, you know, it, it may take a little longer. The, there are plenty of programs out there that promise you that you're going to lose so many pounds in so many weeks mm-hmm. or a pill that will just make the weight just fall right off you. Mm. And that just, that's not reality for most people. So if we can start with this goal and get that, then you, they get a sense of success. Right. And then they can believe in themselves and believe in their ability to manage themselves better. Right. Because the emotional eating doesn't magically go away if you start a keto diet. You have to work on both parts. Absolutely. It is multi-leg stool. I think there's a big emotional barrier to starting the ketogenic diet. And that is oh, but I could never give up bread or I can't see myself giving up pasta because those, or whatever it is, because those things comfort me so much. I get so much pleasure from them. They, mm-hmm. People see it as like a loss, you know, and mm-hmm. before it even happens. They don't even know what it's going to feel like and they project into the future. So this sort of emotional barrier of, of starting any kind of change is, is, is a big problem, isn't it? It's huge. And Carl, I have to say, I make really good bread. <laughs> People <laughs> have knelt before me in awe for my bread. Wow. Right? It's, it's, it was really good. I don't make it anymore, but it was really good. And I was kind of like that. And I had had experience with low carb diets in the past. Mm. And my husband had made me promise I'd never do one again because <laughs> it made me so, um, just kind of angry. I mean, Mm. I had a a real dependence on those carbohydrates. And when I took took them down slowly, I didn't have that terrible reaction or the keto flu problem Mm. that a lot of people have. But it Mm. took some time to get there. And that emotional thing, baby steps, that's right. Absolutely. So maybe then um, for some people for who emotional eating is a really big problem, it might be better to tackle the emotional eating first because then in that process they would lose the resistance to giving up the carbs or the sugar or the things that they're emotionally attached to. Hmm. Yeah, could well be, yeah. And of course, you know, there's a mixture of all these things, right? Like when you when you have an emotional thought like, oh, a pizza would really comfort me right now, and then you go eat a pizza, now you have to deal with the the physiological aspects of what you just ate, Mm -hmm. which is going to give you more cravings, which is going to make you need to satisfy another emotional itch, right? So, So it's really controlling the hunger just as much as it is the the emotional part of it. I mean, it, it, they're all just intertwined. Yes. Well, and we have this idea that food can be a reward for us. Yeah. And unfortunately, that reward comes with spikes. Yeah. 
of various sorts. But I think one of the things that I try to get across to people is we're stuffing down our feelings Mm. and following it with a food chaser. Mm. So how about we just deal with those feelings and what's driving that so you don't need the extra food? Yeah. It can become though, I think, and I, it can become so that everything can be so, become so tangled. It just Mm. becomes so complicated. You know, where does, does does hunger end and emotional eating start or vice versa yeah. or you know is it just because i love the taste of that or is there something else driving it and you add on top of that modern life which is so incredibly busy and we're all running in you know 20 different directions with with kids and spouses and you know mm-hmm. all the things and jobs that are uh, uh, taking so much of our time and everything's super busy and you know we tend to grab you know, ready meals. And so how do you begin to untangle all of that into, is it emotional eating or am I really hungry? And how do I start to like unravel this like cauldron full of stuff? I mean, I I think it takes some time to do that unraveling and some people can do it for themselves Mm. and some people need some objective outsider who can say, you know, you're letting yourself get away with this. Is this really what you want? Or is this really helping you? So do you have some tips and tricks that 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 people can, or strategies that people could use at home, could test out? What can they do to start the process of letting go of the emotional eating? Cook for yourself, maybe? Cook for yourself, you know, make food that is uh, wholesome, um, healthy, whole. Um, I also use a celery test. If if I'm not hungry, then celery won't do it for me. But if I am hungry, I will eat celery and really enjoy it because it's available. Hmm. I suggest that people um, don't eat on autopilot. Because very often we sit down, we're watching television or whatever, and we suddenly have a bag of whatever that is gone. And if you're not going to enjoy it, you may as well be eating celery. Because you'll enjoy that just as much. Right. Um, So mindfulness about eating. Mindfulness about eating. Yeah. Yeah. I also say, okay, slow down. Chew every bite. Focus on the food rather than, or on your family rather than anything else going on. Mm. Try tasting it for a change rather than just swallowing it whole. And then, you know, if, if there's something that you really, you think you really, really want, then give it the honor of putting it on a plate. Right. Sitting down at your table, put a, a tablecloth and a, a nice glass and and cutlery and enjoy that food because if you can't enjoy it then why eat it i've always said everything tastes better on china indeed <laughs> very civilized i am um, i also if i ever go out to get coffee and i'm going to have the coffee there rather than take it away i will always have it in a what i call a can i have it in a cup for here mm. because coffee tastes better in china Absolutely. <laughs> As does tea. 
Ribeye tastes great with a good steak knife. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So talking about mindless eating, I find the time when I do that is when I'm driving. Hmm. And I don't really think that I do it at any other time. I don't watch TV uh, very often or, or movies. So that's not, although for a lot of people, that's a time when they will eat mindlessly. That's hmm. not me. But when I'm driving, particularly when I'm driving, you know, I'm on a like 5,000 mile road trip and I'm on a freeway for like 14 hours. Hmm. That's when if there's something, if there's a bag of something on the seat next to me, I will mindlessly eat that all day long. So mm. I've, that's something I've learned about myself is that I can't have all the things on the seat next to me. I'll have enough, mm. but the rest of it has to go in the back where I can't reach it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just that might be, might be a time when people don't think about mindless eating when they're in a car. But for me, that's a thing. And I think you're, you're, best strategy on that is yes, not have it all on that seat beside you. That's very wise. But that can transfer to the home as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I realize we live in families and sometimes, um, you know, other family members are not on board with whatever eating plan that we've chosen for ourselves. And some of the things that you can do about that, you can have opaque containers that you can't see through that are not on eye level in your your cupboard hmm. because if you don't see them they don't come to mind very often right mm-hmm. or you might create a rule for yourself this is something that i did um about the time i started keto i thought i uh, i made this rule i only have sugar on sundays hmm. and long about the Wednesday or Thursday afterwards, I was standing in my pantry staring down these chocolate chips saying, I only have sugar on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> but it got me through. And then about ten, about the 10th day, I didn't need that anymore. So now I'll occasionally have sugar, but I prefer a lot of Carrie's recipes for um, muffins and ice creams and things. Right. But just making... Making a rule for yourself can be incredibly helpful. Sure. Because all of these things kind of come together to create good habits. And once we uh, have all of these good things on ha- our good habits, then we're much more likely to make it our lifestyle. Well said. For me, I know that the, the one thing you just said that resonated with me was if you can see it, you'll eat it. Mm-hmm. So if I have something out even if and of course i've keto now i've been keto for years so i don't have anything that non-keto in the house which for me is really important because if it's in the house i'm going to eat it so i don't bring it home but then even with like sugar-free chocolate if i can see it i'm far more likely to think oh i'm hungry i'll eat it right so I don't have, if you came to my house, you won't see any food because all the food is away. And I find that that means I'm far more likely to eat when I'm hungry rather than, oh, that looks good. I'm going to eat one. So there's right. nothing left out. Uh, well, only the things like tomatoes, which do better out than they do in the fridge. But, you know, I tend generally don't go 
you know, binge tomatoes. But apart from that, you'll see no food on display in my kitchen. And I find that really helps me to discern whether I'm hungry or whether that just sounds or looks like something that would be a nice thing to have in my mouth right now. Mm. Out of sight, out of mind. I can tell you some real challenges for people um, are those late night TV shows where all the fast food ads come on, you know, uh. and they they really turn it up, you know, they, that, that can have an effect on you whether you like it or not. It can, and you can make a rule for yourself. The kitchen is closed after whatever time of the evening. Right. And it, it takes some time to, to establish that for yourself. It's a bigger issue, right, isn't it? Taking away stimulus, taking away triggers. That's so right. if you find that, you know, every time you watch The Late Show, you you find the Burger King commercials and the Taco Bell commercials irresistible, um, maybe you should catch it the next day on social media or something. <laughs> or record it. I must say that I've never, TV has never been a thing for me. Yeah. Um, I do have a TV now, but that's new. I just got a TV for like the first time, well, in 17 years. And then even before I left England, I just, I was not a TV watcher. I didn't grow up in a TV centric household. Mm. And when I do watch TV now, it's, it's, um, you know, Amazon Prime or Netflix where, where there's no ads. Mm. So maybe that's why I just never self-soothed or I never overate while watching the movies or, or TV because that was just never, it, that was never how I was trained. I never trained myself to mindlessly through TV mm. because I never, I was never exposed to those ads. So I never kind of connected, ooh, TV, ads, let's eat something. So I'm pretty grateful for that right now. As you should be. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched regular live television in a long, long time. Uh, if if you're out to uh, dinner or something like that, or in a bar, and there's a TV playing, uh, you know, that's that's when I see these things. Yeah, yeah, it was when you just said about ads for Burger King, and I was like, wait, what? They put ads on TV? Oh, yeah. It was just like that's just I've I haven't seen an ad on TV for you know half my life. So yeah. So what other strategies can you give our listeners that would help them if emotional eating is something that, that's resonating with them after hearing us, us talk? Um, I think, well, let's go to um, some specific kinds of things like navigating a party or a buffet or the office kitchen yeah. where there can be all kinds of, of issues. Um one of one of the rules I made for myself was I don't take free food oh. because free food tends to be donuts, bagels, and that sort of thing. You should have been in my team at Microsoft. <laughs> 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 they got keto treats, and if they didn't want those, then they either went out or went to the vending machine, but they never got them from me. There you go. Yeah. But we have to decide what's really in our best interest and stick to that. You know, I, I don't eat sugary snacks. I only have this on Sunday. I mean, the thing is, you know, we, we choose our clothes and our shoes to fit our, our bodies, right? We don't buy mm -hmm. shoes that are too large or too small. 
Those are not our size. But with food, we let other people dictate what our size might be in terms of, yes, you should have this donut, or yes, you should have these carbohydrates, or yes, you should have this. And I think sometimes we just need to stand up for our size now and again. Um, if you're going to like a buffet, I always do a survey, a kind of a reconnaissance round. And I think, okay, then I want this. And I think I want that. And I would like that, but I want to leave off this section entirely. Mm. And then I take a salad plate knowing that if I really want something more, I can go back again, but start with that salad plate so that you don't end up having way too much. Um, then, you know, remember the benefits of sticking with your plan. What, what does it do for you? And taste the food that you have had all your life. You know, if you're at a, a family dinner and you always have this or that, taste it. See if you still actually like it. Because you might not. I remember um, trying out... I have this particular candy bar that I loved and my grandmother loved it. And one day I had purchased, it was Easter and I had purchased um, two bags of this, one for my husband and one for me. And I sat down at the table on Easter afternoon and I cut this candy bar into like four or six pieces. And I tasted the first one. I thought, I'm just going to see if I really still enjoy it or if I just enjoy the memory of it. Mm. And I was extremely sad because Michael got the rest of it and the, hmm. my bag because I no longer liked it. Well, this is a topic that, uh, as I said before, everybody um, can relate to. And it, it's, it's the unraveling that is the real work that needs to be done. But, um, you know, sometimes it's just very hard to determine our motives. But I like, I like the way that we've sort of teased out some of these little hints you know, in little actions and mindful things that we can do to gain a little insight into that. Do you have a book about this or are there more resources we can uh, listen to or watch or read? I do have a book. It's called, it's on Amazon and it's called What's Really Eating You? <laughs> Overcoming the Triggers of Comfort Eating. Nice. Um, I have um, I have some online courses um, and you can get to those through my website, packyourownbag.com. Very good. We shall link to those in the show notes for anyone who wants to to take a look at that. Lovely. Well, it's been great talking to you, uh, Renee. I really appreciate your the way that you look at things and uh, help us to remember these uh, these triggers and these uh, our emotional reasons for eating. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I think you've given us a lot of uh, food for thought. Uh, <laughs> no, I think the mindfulness, being mindful, is is one of the greatest things that you've given us today. Mm. Is making us be more aware of what we're doing, and and I think that is going to be a great help for a lot of people, just to 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 go, oh, is that me? Or, oh, maybe people will now think about what they're doing when they're watching TV or when they're driving in the car or right. whatever. And and also that that hunger thing of if you're hungry for something specific, it's more likely to be emotional than if you're just hungry for and anything will do. Mm. So I hope that um, our lovely listeners will 
get some some benefits from that and the the for me i think it was another reminder that this is progress not perfection and you know baby steps as long as those steps are going in the right direction mm. then then just keep going one yeah. step in front of the other you don't have to get there all at once and if going slower taking smaller steps is what gets you there is what wins the race for you then do that i agree heartily thanks again renee thank you what a what a great opportunity to just reflect on on our own uh emotional triggers I'm very grateful that we talked to Renee today. Yes, I think for me, the big takeaway was to put a little gap in between what I'm thinking and what I'm doing, Yeah. i.e. be mindful. Like if I'm reaching for something, oh, is that because I'm hungry or is that because I just fancy something that tastes nice? Or right. is there something else going on that's driving that? So that, for me, was the key takeaway, being mindful. Okay, Carrie, I'm a little peckish, so I think it's up to you to deliver a uh, recipe. Recipe. <laughs> I, do, I do have a recipe for you. All right, what you got? And this is a super simple recipe because often the simplest things can be the best. It doesn't have to be long, hard and complicated to make yourself a delicious meal. And sometimes turning something from ordinary to extraordinary can be as simple as choosing a different combination of ingredients. And if you're a bit confused, I'll tell you that what we're doing today is a frittata, which is like, really, you're going to teach us how to make a frittata. (laughs) But I think what makes this frittata magical is the combination of flavors in it. So it's not long or complicated. It's really, really simple. But using a different combination of flavors that you may not have tried in this form before is what makes this thing awesome. Okay. So this is a mushroom and pancetta frittata. Ooh, two of my favorite ingredients. And what you're going to need is four ounces of mushrooms, four ounces of pancetta, eight eggs, two tablespoons of heavy cream. If you want to make it dairy-free, you could use the thick canned coconut milk instead of the heavy cream. Six tablespoons of water, your sea salt and ground black pepper, then some more flavor magic in the form of a teaspoon of dried oregano Hmm. or oregano for those of us who speak properly. (laughs) And one ounce of cheddar cheese. Obviously, if you're doing dairy-free, the cheese is not for you. So you're going to saute the chopped mushrooms and the pancetta over a medium heat until the mushrooms are just softened which doesn't take very long at all. So don't walk away, just stay there and saute. Turn the broiler, or outside of America, that would be the grill, onto (laughs) heat. Meanwhile, you're going to whisk the eggs, the cream, the water, the sea salt and pepper, and the oregano in a jug until it's completely mixed. 
You're going to pour the egg mixture into the pan over the mushrooms and pancetta and stir for 30 seconds while the eggs start to cook. Great. After 30 seconds, you're going to stop stirring and just leave it in the pan to cook for a further two minutes. Okay. Then you're going to remove it from the heat and place it under the broiler until the top is set and just starting to brown. Mm. Remove it from the grill, sprinkle the top with grated cheddar and slide it onto a plate or serving dish and then gobble that baby down. (laughs) Obviously, it's got eight eggs in, so this serves two to four depending on how big your appetites are or Mm -hmm. if you're eating it with something else on the side. So that's a mushroom and pancetta frittata, and that combination of ingredients along with some dried oregano makes a pretty magical dish. And if you're just sharing that between two of you, that is a complete meal, which took you approximately five minutes to make. Fantastic. Oh, if you have fresh oregano that you want to use instead of dried, sprinkle it over the surface of the cooked eggs right before you add the cheese. Nice. So don't put them in at the beginning and cook them. Just sprinkle them on the top of the eggs right before you get to the cheese part. Yeah. So that's it. That's great. And that's a uh, quite a delicious recipe. I might have to add that to my collection. That's a show. If you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something that you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute anything we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com. And you can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Two Keto Dudes. Make sure you use the hashtag Two Keto Dudes. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.twoketo.com. And you can have a look around the ketogenic forum without needing to create an account by starting with success.2keto.com. Also check out our Facebook group, The Keto Kitchen, with mm-hmm. me, Carrie Brown, and of course, Carl Franklin, yep. if Facebook is your thing. And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts we produce, please consider making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. If you pledge $20 or more per month, you will have access to an exclusive Facebook group, Two Keto Dudes Gold. And you can also see our podcasts and other videos on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. And if you haven't already, please go and leave a review on Apple Podcasts because that's how new people get to know about what we do. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. And Carrie, keep calm, keto on, and keto fest once a year. Yay! Keep calm and keto on, people! And we'll see you next time on Two Two Keto Keto Dudes. Dudes.